There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, my talkers, how is it going out there on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon? We could see some severe weather later tonight, so be ready for that. But right now, Lori and Julia are here to hang out with you for the next two hours, and it's always a good time with these girls. Right, guys? Okay, so yes. we've... <laughs> I, I'm telling Lori, I have slivers everywhere. I have one on my big toe. I've got oh, one on my finger. Casey will get so he's really good at getting slivers. Oh, I out. felt the end. You, it's going to come off. You wouldn't think so with those fat sausage with those fingers. fat sausage. <laughs> but he's pretty good. I've been, you know, out doing a little yard work, and I have these those damn prickly bushes. I don't uh, know what they're called, but mm, mm-hmm. they get me every time. Okay, I have to tell you something, Lori. Okay. Okay, so. Not big news to anybody how much we love books, okay? We just talked with Ellen Hildebrand. Mm -hmm. Um, But this Thursday, we have this book on called Aurora. Uh, I... My girlfriend from Fire Island just sent me a thing, and she said, oh, my God, I love this book so much. Thank you for leaving it with me. Everyone wants to read it now because this is the one about the solar thing and the power grid and the whole world goes out. But the guy that wrote this book, David Knopp, Knopp, he wrote the first two screenplays for Jurassic Park, Carlito's Way. He's a big, huge, but it's not... Novelists don't become screen. You don't see that screenwriters yes. don't become novelists. You know, oh. they, it's it's a hard path to cross over. And it has the blurb from of. Stephen King. Yes. and I'm not a Stephen King fan, but this is our second but blurb you from are Shawshank Redemption, I know, my favorite. But we've had another book on that had a blurb from Stephen King this year too. But anyway, we, that's why we kind of saw we, we got to get this on. Yes. So I just am reading about it, and Stephen King's blurb was fantastic story, a real page turner. But Turner impossible to put down. It was. And you've read it, and I brought the Ruth Ware book, which isn't even out yet mm-hmm. on the trip. So I'm so behind on books right now. It's yeah. scary. Yeah. And I'm dying to read this one. So I'm just reading Soon to Be a Motion Picture from Netflix oh, yeah. and Academy Award winning director Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. Wow. So it's already sold. It, it doesn't even come out till, oh, it came out last month, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And is it, is it a po- post apocalyptic? No. Type thing? Well, no. It's. Well, it's imagine if no the, no no oh, no we can't tell no you're it is a book that's taking place you know in the here and now where like we're right cut now off from a like lot right of now COVID has happened I think is referenced and anyway but or maybe it's it's not but I'll just say I'll just say this that at the end of the book um I'll just say this. Talk to people. I promise you there is absolutely nothing more worth doing. P.S. Watch the skies is kind of like that is ah. like a closing thing. But um, in his dedication, 
at the end of the book, he said, like Don Corleone, I am sentimental about my children. Unlike him, I've never introduced them to a life of crime. I mean, he's just, he's just like a, a really incredible storyteller. Oh, yeah. And he has a track record with movies. <laughs> and one, now and my one, brother then. has read a couple of his other books. Oh, really? Yeah. So we're going to meet a new author. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So much to read. So, so little time. Little time. <laughs> okay, so Wimbledon started yesterday. Are you mm-hmm. nervous for Serena? I mean, I, think of the pressure. After a year off, she's back in the spotlight. I want her to go. I want her to go far. I'm taping it. Okay, but are you nervous for her? Always. Always, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people are probably nervous. That's a lot. It's like to compete at that level of spotlight and the year off and all of that. And, you know, I'm going to say that Serena... She plays this afternoon. Yeah, I'm going to say that um, I think, you know, Serena, is she 40? Yeah, she's Okay, but one of the things that the younger female tennis players are bringing up, and Pop Sugar had a story about it, is that they are the women are openly discussing the athletes about how the fact that the all white rule at Wimbledon is sexist, archaic, and ridiculous for the reasons why they wear white. Because imagine being an athlete at the top of your game and having your period and having to wear all white. Okay, Ooh. I'm just saying because the reason that Wimbledon. It is a very archaic reason why Wimbledon wears all white. Do you know why? I don't know it, but I I would always think it'd be better to wear light colors in the sunshine and the heat in the again, middle of July. Again, but if you're having your period as a woman, you, that okay. would be the last thing that you would want to do. Because as you know, Wimbledon, only two bathroom breaks. What if it's a heavy day for you? Oh. Um, day. But okay. the rule was originally enforced because any sign of sweat was considered rude or improper wow and the rich aristocrats of the 1800s they were like we don't sweat only the poor people sweat sweat is for poor people for the people making the grass and doing the maintenance so it it is literally because it was considered rude or improper to sweat and like british tennis player heather watson told bbc sport she said yeah it's a nice tradition and it's fun but i my, I, myself and all the other women, we plan our periods around the tournament because it's so stressful and annoying to have your period. Now, they are professional um, athletes, and it's an actual job description. And if a pro athlete isn't sweating, they shouldn't be at Wimbledon. So we see sweat. And so the women are just asking for consideration like this is a thing. And the older players are like, why didn't we think about saying something? Mm. You know? I like the tradition of it, I'm just going to say. I mean, there's very few traditions left anywhere. But but the old pearl clutchers thought sweat stains were well, unseemly I, see, but we didn't rude. even know this. I okay, like but it. now but, that you know, and the young 10, I'm just telling you, Miss Tennis Watcher, that the young women on the tennis circuit are just raising their hand mm-hmm. and just saying, hey... That's where you know, I know I would just like, oh, man, they should just go out there and have their periods and have period stains and sit with their legs oh, apart and everything else. Lori, you are disgusting. I'm sorry. You are disgusting. But I'm sorry. Oh. It's just such an old 
pearl clutching. But again, thing. I it just it, it just impacts women athletes. I understand that. I never have thought of that ever, ever, because ever, you, ever. You didn't know. You've now been informed. No, I don't care about why they're wearing white because I like I I like it from watch as a viewer. Yeah, I like not looking at a busy. But outfit. All the women are just saying we have to do all these workarounds. We have to wear additional. Pads. I never knew we this. have to wear large size tampons. I never knew this. We light. have to take our birth control pills so that we make sure that strategically, so we don't have our period over Wimbledon. Okay, I never knew that before. I never even considered that a reason. So now we know. Uh, don't be, don't bite the person no, who gives just, you the I information. I never ever thought of that before. The, of, the female athletes are talking about it. Absolutely, this year. and they yeah, and that's their right to do so. Yes. But think about when they made the rule originally back then. The sweat concept. Those players were probably not playing nearly as tough then, oh, and oh, however, no, as no, they are now. A gentle it was person a little, sport. Yeah, it was like it was, hey, let's, even uh, Agassi, Federer, and Nadal have expressed frustration by pushing the boundaries on what they wear. And Agassi went so far as to boycott in Wimbledon between 1988 and 1990 to make his stance clearer. And um, He's probably pissed he did that because he was still athletic and young. Well, maybe, but he right. wanted the freedom. They, right. did, they did not like it. It's just changing that dress code would just be, just it would be more inclusive and be thinking right. about the women. And I didn't, I've, I've never thought of that, Lori, so thank you for sharing. You yeah. don't even mean it, so don't I, even I try. Actually, mm-hmm. I actually would love to be in that think- meeting when when they when the Wimbledon um, board has a discussion about periods in the all white dress code, I would love to listen in because these uptight British people who can barely express emotion are going to have to talk about the relationship between the tournament code and menstruation. I'm done with you. It's time for random thoughts. We'll be right back. <laughs> Julia's random thoughts. He looks like that puppet. I don't know. He's had cheeky implants. It's just random. That's all it is. All right, Lori. Have you gotten over your Wimbledon shock? (laughs) No, I was having a hard time with this tradition. I'm not. Move on. Okay, so here's the deal. So um, here's the headline. I have the world's strongest middle finger. I can lift 285 pounds with my middle finger. Whoa, damn. And that would be Steve Keeler from the United Kingdom. He's 48 years old. And he he has been, during COVID, got a little bored. Right. And he has studied martial arts in the past. He began with weight training about four years ago. And during the pandemic, he was playing around with a friend's gym. And he realized he was close to breaking such a random Guinness Book World Record. Strongest middle finger. (laughs) So we're doing gym work, messing around with the weights. I moved to the heavy ones. We set challenges. And I wondered what the record was. And it wasn't much more than I lifted. So I thought, I'm going for it. Mm. So now he... His dad lifted 285 pounds, and that's as heavy as a three-seater sofa. Whoa. Whoa. With your middle finger. What? You have to hold it for eight seconds <laughs> in front of official... I'm so many thoughts about that middle finger, oh. how strong it is. My goodness. It's such a random record. Yeah, the pressure of that but it's finger mine. would be, if he could be gentle, that could be I was be delighted amazing. to find out he won, and during lockdown... Um, it was his project, something to tell the grandkids. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. cool. It's incredibly painful, but my fingers are strong, and I'm proud of my lift. <gasps> oh. Can you wow. imagine? Oh. I wonder, like, do you do finger push-ups? How do you <laughs> finger weights? Build up. First of all, can you up? even yeah. bend your middle finger? I mean, like, he's 48 only. Yeah. My fingers have, yeah, yeah. I, think, I, I got piano hands. What does that mean? 
Look Lori the, has the, the longest spread. fingers and the longest. Oh yeah, toes. you could play some. You could with my it. feet too. Like at the reformer, they go do piano toes, and I'm like, no problem. Let me just spread my finger feet. I mean, I have a, I have a very good grip. Well, you can't because your toes are so long. They're so oh, yeah. long. Good grip, good grip. Why do we grip in there, Lori? Oh, I man. Know. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, you get me going with these stories. No, I know. I do get you going. All right, so this is uh, 36 years ago today, July 28th, in 1986, Wham! did their farewell concert at Wembley Stadium. Wow. 72,000 people were mm. there with special guests Elton John and Simon LeBon. Now, if you can name George Michael's counterpart. Andrew Ridgely. Of course, of course you could. <laughs> Not But it made me want to go down a rabbit hole. Well, I think for Vintage Scandal, there is a new book out. Yes, there is, a George Michael. Michael, and um, it's been, you know, he's been gone long enough, and the story, I mean, even just the fact of the how boy George and George Michael were both famous at the same time. Because remember, Culture Club is one of the few bands, if might be the only band, that never opened for anybody. They became instantly famous. And they're coming here to Treasure Island or Mystic Lake. Yeah, one of Grant, the two. maybe you could check. But they were famous at the same time. Yeah. But boy George was living his life loudly. He was wearing makeup and, you yeah. know, really gender bending and... You know, doing all these other things. And Boyd and George Michael was in the closet. Yes, he was. And um, so I've heard that guy. So I've got, I know some stuff already from um, listening to a couple interviews okay. with the guy. And it's scandalous when you think about the lengths that George Michael had to go to because he was told by everybody, you can't come out. Right. Right. What a horrible life. Yeah. What and a horrible so that life. in and of itself is a yeah. scandalous thing All right. to remember. I'll be looking forward to okay, that. Very good. That's a good one. But I wanted to go back because what I was thinking, 72,000 people. People, that's, that's a lot. Crazy. Okay, but that isn't even close. Yeah. So I went to find out what the world records are for the number, largest amount of people at a concert. Uh-huh. Nice. And... Um, Many of them were in Rio de Janeiro. Yes, they don't. They have a place that holds like three hundred thousand. The Marcon or Mar Marcon soccer um, stadium. Yes, Aha. Remember the boot group Aha? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, take on me. Yeah, nineteen ninety one, hundred and ninety eight thousand people. Wow. Just to give you perspective, Target Field holds about forty thousand. Yes. So that you're looking at three times the amount of Target Field yeah. wow. for that one concert. So the second, the second, you know, there's all these Latin performers that are winning. I couldn't pronounce their names. That's so why they it. do that one big festival yeah, the there. Yeah, they festival. can get so many people. Yep. But the second really kind of biggest after Aha was in 1990, Paul McCartney mm-hmm. in Rio de Janeiro, 184,000. Tina Turner in 88. Yeah. 180,000. In 1980, Fred Frank Sinatra, 175,000. Wow. Bruce Springsteen in Berlin in 88, 160,000. Kiss, Rio, Queen, Madonna in Paris in 1987. Who's that girl, girl tour? tour? Oh, that was such a good tour. My my friend Teresa, her her stag at party was going to that concert. Oh my gosh. It was wow. at St. Paul, St. Paul Civic, Civic Center. Center. I was in the fifth row. My friend Ann got his tickets. Oh, you oh, had better seats than we did. But we <laughs> had so much fun at oh. that concert and it was such a fun, memorable oh. stag She had 130,000 people. Wow. Garth Brooks, 
Just this last year in Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. 127,000 people. Where do you have a concert in Baton Rouge? I don't know. People? Oh. Um, mm-hmm. Rolling Stones in 95, the Voodoo mm-hmm. concert tour, 126. And then Michael Jackson is way up there with yeah. um, 100, in 88 and 96. How do you feel about going to a concert that I'm big? I'm scared. That was yeah. my question. That's where I want to go to when we saw the Rolling Stones, when the, the Steel Wheels tour at the Metrodome in the... Um, Thing that goes around the outside where you get the food. What's that called? The concourse. The concourse. Yeah. My friend Lady Di was pregnant, and I'm short, and I'm protecting her baby tummy because mm-hmm. there's so many people. You I just remember you got oh, yeah. you, you just went. You got swept along in a current of people. Scared me yeah, to it's death. Not fine. Yeah. I could never go. I had um, tenth row tickets for that show, so I didn't have to go up, have to to go the up to the concourse. Oh. I was just on the lower level with those people, but you know that's the one where I made my assistant go to Dayton's and stand in line to get a wristband. Oh, good <laughs> for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Grant. I love it. Well, at that concert, the Wham! finale, yeah. um, Elton John, his guest appearance, he wore a clown suit, and um, he sang a song with George Michael. So they were, Candle in the wind. for yeah. a long time, mm-hmm. George Michael and Elton John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Elton John was nice to George Michael and not Judge Judy like Boy George was. That's like a juicy part of that book I kind of want to get into. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. But George Michael also anonymously gave so much money. Very generous. To so many people. I'll be curious. I'm ready to hear that. And you know what he did? More than anything? All the Wham! songs, even though he wrote them, performed them, he gave publishing rights 50% to Andrew. Which is awesome. So Andrew's never had to worry about money. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. All right, Julia. Okay. I'm nervous because I feel like I'm out of it today with the. We've with had the a gossip. we've had a busy day. We today. were so busy today. So all Julia right, picked me up at nine oh five this morning. We and had I, some b- radio business and you know mom, mom my mom. Yeah, it's just needed, been yeah. a lot. It's, it's been a lot. Yeah. Okay. So yesterday I uh, told you that uh, Alec Baldwin would be oh interviewing Woody <laughs> Allen on Instagram oh Live, and we were like, "Is this the worst idea ever?" Yes. We all said yes. Yes. Well, guess what? It um, happened. I'll give you a couple of examples of people responding um, about Allen, Woody Allen, interviewing a man who's married to his stepdaughter. <laughs> you know, I mean, like the Woody Allen. Remember, he marries his stepdaughter. In the story, and is accused of being, you know, sexually assaulting, abusing his daughter, Dylan. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Alec Baldwin, here's like Baldwin's career isn't already hanging by a thread. What a dumb way to completely destroy it. Um, people, all it did, it brought up a lot of Alec Baldwin, who shot and killed, uh, you know, someone who worked for him eight months ago, yeah. is now live on Instagram with Woody Allen. Who's married to his daughter or except, you know, blah, blah. It, it completely. It just who was ever his PR person that he's obviously not listening to. <laughs> right. He would just, I think he'd be a nightmare client. Oh, my gosh. You know? I, I don't think he has one no. because he doesn't take anyone's advice. No. On anything. I can't hear anymore. About yeah. It. All right. It so did, I won't give did. you that one. Mm-mm. Here's this one. Jesse James. You know who that is? No. The vanilla gorilla. No. The Chopper's guy who is married to S- Sandy. Oh, him. That was his name. Sandra Bullock, the vanilla gorilla. Yes. The Jesse blind, James. When she gets her Academy Award for the blind side and he's sitting there in the edit. Yeah. I forget. After he'd been banging. Who the was tattoo it? lady. Yeah. Whatever her name was. Cat. 
No, no, no. Cat Van Du? No, it wasn't Cat Van no, 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 no. That's why I don't. Her name was... Bonnie, Bonnie... No, no, no. That's who he, he married, married a porn star today. Yeah. Bonnie Rotten. Rotten, yeah. That's her name. Bonnie Rotten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just tied them. She's a former porn star. He got married to Bonnie. She's 29. He's 53. Backyard celebration in Texas, and um, <laughs> they changed into comfortable clothing, and then they cut their tier, 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 two-tier cake using a cleaver made by our glorified welder, Vanilla Gorilla. What's his name? I, I just, that was so many interesting names in there I know. for anyone to follow the ball. I felt like I was reading that, Lori, instead of you. <laughs> he was engaged to Kat Von D, though. I told you. He was engaged to her. He didn't cheat on Kat. Hey. But I knew, yeah, he was I knew they were in a committed relationship at one point. That was such a one-off for Sandra Bullock. She liked him because he was different. They they he, met. And- he She got fooled by him the way many women get fooled by somebody who's... Yes. Um, and, and luckily, usually, thank God, you know, he got caught doing what he did because who knows how long he could have kept the blind eyes on Sandra Bullock. Right. The blind side on her because she, as soon as that story came out and Sandy got her agent, everybody involved, and they basically confirmed, oh yeah, this guy's been you know, with all And the- she had just adopted their... At, uh, Louis. 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 Yep. She got out of it. Yes, she did. She got out of it, paid him off, away he went, and no claim to Louis. No. Yeah. Yep. He's yeah, he's really gross. I can't they, believe this. Were they this. married? Who? Sandra Bullock and Yes. They did get married. Okay. They were married and they were married when they adopted that son. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. No, no, I didn't no. know that I was didn't know if they were married, married. Yeah. Okay. Well, they were really married like for three and a half years. Oh. And um I don't remember ever seeing the pictures in People magazine, so I don't know if it happened. Oh yeah. No, she was like on the cover, like uh they were in very prominently in the Oscar. Uh, edition of People Magazine that week that she won. Oh, I remember all that, but I just don't remember them getting married. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, I'm having a blind spot. Yeah, and I feel like they got married in a backyard wedding in Austin, too. Next. He's Next. so gross. Next. Um, Rufus Wainwright, the now, singer. Is, yeah. The, the singer. He oh, um, just did an interview, and he was asked, why does, you know, why doesn't Madonna like you? And is he younger or older? I would say Rufus Rainwright is in his mid 40s or something like that. Anyway, and here's what he said about it. He said, we've never had a great thing. I admire her tenacity and some of her songs are great, but she's been quite mean to me a couple of times. But it's like, eh, join the list. Lori, (laughs) your homegirl is... uh... She's got a a rap sheet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then he goes on to say, he said, with her as with certain other celebrities of that magnitude, they have a real tunnel vision. Um, He said, there was a little incident where she might have held something against me. I worked with someone who used to work for for her, and they ended up leaving her over politics. And then I was ignored at her at a very, very small event where there were only a handful of people. It was just bizarre and rude. I'm not like that. You just have to acknowledge everybody in the room a little bit. And she couldn't. Does this surprise you? I want Cher and Madonna to, you know, I want Cher to teach Madonna how to be an aging, an ageless 
icon. Yeah, right. Okay, okay that's fair. Instead An ageless of, icon. Instead of a, a, I don't know, but I don't know why, you know, because Cher got, got famous two. young. Madonna was so, but Madonna she, was way bigger than Cher. When she got big, yeah. she was bigger. Because yeah. Cher's was a slow gradual. Yeah, she was used to celebrity. But and I'm she's just continued. saying she got famous but, fast. But yeah. Madonna got famous yeah. overnight. Yeah. It felt like, even though she was in the dance clubs in New York. And yeah, she yeah. was so big. Right. She could control everything. Yeah, I guess and she when was you're like that big, going boom fast. Right. And that's, he does say that. He said, um, as with other certain celebrities of that magnitude, they have a real tunnel vision. Because no one says no to them. I guess that's No it. one says yeah. no, and no one says, you know, that was out of line. Mm-hmm. You just acted like a dink. We've done this to each other. People, friends do that to each other. Business people right. will do that to each other. That's not acceptable behavior. Right. But when you're that big... No one told Michael Jackson, no, true, you look true. like a goofball and everything you're doing. No one tells all these other big, big people, right. you know, but Elvis had Colonel Parker who had yeah. more power than him. Yeah, basically. Right. OK, well, here's something. Um, legendary singer. I do still am thinking about this concert weekend because Bonnie Ray and Mavis, Mavis Staples are coming at the end of July. I still want to go to at that, the South St. Cloud. Wait. Very limited tickets. I know. It. I've looked for months. And Mavis, I mean, we were lucky enough to she's see her. Amazing. She's, she's amazing. Of the Staples singer uh, for the young people. If you don't know the song, I'll take you there. I'll take you there. You need to immediately play that. Alexa, There's play I'll take you there. Play it. But she was Great, doing. Get it. <laughs> she was doing an interview um, with um, uh, a magazine. Uh, let me see who was she doing it with. Oh, it was um, with Jezebel. Oh, okay. She did an interview with Jezebel, and they asked her about recording a duet of "Oh Happy Day" in 1987 with uh, Aretha Franklin and the Staples singers. Their pops would have been friends with Aretha's. Right. Um, preacher father, right. uh, Reverend Franklin. So these two go way back. Got it. Okay. And when the recording was released, Aretha had Mavis Staples part taken out. Oh. So it was just her. Okay. And, um, and Mavis said, well, I, I wish I would have told her, no, you can't put the record out without me, but you know me, goody, goody Mavis. And then she said, I put up with her for a long time till I got tired, you know. She was very insecure. I tried my best to be her friend. She'd call me and ask me to call her back. When I called her back, the number was changed. She was just <laughs> weird like that. And, um, yeah, she, I'm, you know, uh, I kind of. Basically, she's saying she's not a fan. She Well, she was a person, she was a person who was hard to be friends with. Yeah, I, I guess get what it. She's telling us. Yeah. And I, I'm, uh. You know, Aretha Franklin was known to be quite shady. She could be quite... She would put people in their place. Mm-hmm. You know, she it probably. Anyway, but she discussed it, and I'm liking it, and I really want to see Mavis. I do, too. Oh, I man. Do too. She's just wonderful.